We're going to be covering the ghost of Christmas past next Sunday on Advent 2, the ghost of Christmas present, Advent 3, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, Advent 4, Joseph Davidson is going to come, pay us a visit, tell us his story. Uh, would you stand with me? We're going, to, we're going to read a short passage that's probably familiar to some of you from the book of Genesis. So let's read together. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the glory and the power of your word and the unity and the coherence of your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand by the power of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Oh, yeah, one other thing. Lamplighters is doing, uh, <laughs> yeah, is doing a Christmas carol uh, the, uh, the second and third weekends of the month. I think that's 10th, 11th, and 12th, uh, 17th, 18th, and 19th. And it's going to be a, a little different Christmas carol this year, but the script is the same. And those of you who are familiar with it are aware that uh, Scrooge is actually visited by four ghosts. The uh, first one is Marley, and then uh, the three that he says are going to be coming. And the first one that comes, uh, Scrooge asks him, uh, who and what are you? And he says, uh, he or she or whatever it is, says, I am the ghost of Christmas past. And he says, long past? And the line in the play is, no, your past. But the line in the sermon is, yeah, very long past. In fact, all past, long, long time ago. Actually, it started out in a garden. Uh, many of you are familiar with the story of what happened in the garden. And let me just say, going into this, that I never argue with anybody about, well, are, you think Adam and Eve are, are literal? You think that they were real people? Yes, I do. If you don't, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that because I know that the truth that is presented in the story is real. And so if you want to take it poetically, you take it poetically. I I take it literally. The truth is what matters. And and here's what happened. God started out, he put us in this garden and he gave us a command. And there's a reason why he gave us a command to follow. Because you you just think, well, if he just didn't give the command, duh, we wouldn't wouldn't have fallen. But he had to. Because when God created us in his image, there was one thing that he could not put in us. I mean, he could put intelligence in us, the ability to reason, the ability to create. He could put all those things there, but he couldn't just go, boom, love. Because love requires a choice. It says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. There's a whole list of things that it does, and not a one of them is an emotion. Every single one of them is something you choose to do. And so when God created us and wanted that image to be perfected in us, he he had to give Adam and Eve a choice. And so he gave one simple little command, don't eat from that tree. 
You want to party? Party. Just don't eat from the tree. You want to listen to rock and roll? Listen to rock and roll. Just don't eat from the tree. You know, you want to go ride horses? Ride, whatever you want to do. Just don't eat from the tree. And so that was a choice. And we blew it. <laughs> they weren't any better at keeping rules than, than we are. And actually, it wasn't about keeping a rule. It was about loving God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so God had given them one commandment so that they could love him. That was why he did it. And they could experience what love really was. Well, we blew it. And then the passage that we read today, God comes along. Uh, you know the story. Uh, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. And Adam says, I'm hiding. I'm hiding over here from you so you can't find me. He says, well, why are you hiding? Well, I'm naked. Well, who told you you were naked? God knew what had happened. And so the passage that we read today, God, everything in the passage kind of makes sense, but there's this, there's this weird little twist at the end of it. God says, the seed of woman is going to crush your head and you will strike his heel. Uh, this is known in theological circles as the proto-evangelium. And uh, that's a very difficult word to say, especially in front of a lot of people. Uh, I mean, say proto-evangelium real fast, four times to somebody. Four times. You, you, you guys at least tried. The early service didn't try. They would have fallen a lot quicker than y'all in the garden if they had been put there. Y'all, y'all at least gave it, a, gave it a swing, you know. Might not have hit it, but you tried. So that's pretty good. And what it literally means is that the prototype of the gospel God is, is declaring right there in Eden, in the beginning, this is what I'm going to do. It's got some, got some mystery in it. It's got some, some interesting things in it. But basically what Adam and Eve got out of it was there's going to be somebody who's going to come. There's going to be one who's going to come and is going to take care of this situation for us. And Eve apparently uh, definitely thought that because when she had her first son, the guy's name was Cain, and Cain literally means uh, get get a man. You know, get, I got a man. Uh, so, but but Eve actually said, "With the Lord, with the help of the Lord, I have acquired a man. This must be the one. This is what he was talking about." Yes, he said, "Seed of woman, here here he is. Go out there and do some." Serpent head crushing, Cain. Well, Cain went out and did some head crushing. But it wasn't the serpent. It was his brother. The interesting thing here is that the very first person who was born on earth, apparently, as opposed to being created, uh, we thought, in the person of Eve and, and Adam, we thought... This is the one. And we were so, so wrong. And please note that in the last days, uh, before Christ comes back, you see, um, Advent is not just about uh, 
Christ being born in a manger in Bethlehem. Advent looks back to that first advent. It also looks forward to the second advent, to Christ coming again. And obviously, we're going to be doing Ghost of Christmas yet to come here in a couple of weeks. But right before he comes back, there's going to be one who's going to show up, and everybody's going to think, here he is. We have got the man. The world is really in a big mess. I mean, there's stuff going on everywhere. I mean, unimaginable stuff. Not just stuff you read about in the papers. I mean, people starving, people, people dying and it being lied about, uh, uh, human trafficking. I mean, there's just terrible, dreadful stuff going on all over. And for somebody to come along, if somebody shows up on the scene and they can start, they can, they can fix the, the ecology and they can fix the economy and provide jobs for everybody and they can stop the wars and they got the solutions to all of the, the seemingly uh, insoluble problems in the world, uh, you vote for them? Yes, you will. And you know what? It's really okay to vote for them. It's not okay to worship them. And that's what will happen kind of about halfway through it. The, this, the one that we think that we've got will kind of be going, votes aren't enough, I now need worship. And you know what? We're going to go, okay, because we're already worshiping athletes, we're already worshiping rock stars, we're already worshiping movie stars. Well, why not worship him? And the whole world will go after him. But just like Eve was wrong, we're going to be wrong too about that. Not everybody's going to be deceived. Anyway, let's move on. So in the very beginning, Eve knew, Adam knew, there's something, there's one to come. What about this guy, Abraham? Abraham obviously was a pretty important person. And uh, God made some pretty important promises to him. Jesus says a very interesting thing about Abraham over in John chapter 8. He's having a back and forth with the Jews, as he often did. And the Jews are asking questions and raising objections and everything. And and Jesus finally says to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews are going, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, oh, then he really, whoo, then he really dropped the big one. He said, before Abraham was born, I am. Uh, So they tried to kill him, but he got away. It wasn't his time. What was Jesus talking about? Abraham saw his day? Yeah. And I believe I know the place where Abraham saw his day. So we're in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. God took Abraham outside. This man who was almost 100 years old and his wife was barren, who had no children. And he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And the scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. When Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, was when God spoke to Abraham concerning his seed that was to come. And Paul tells us over in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, that 
the, the scripture doesn't say unto seeds, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So it's not really a stretch to say that when Abraham went out and looked up at the stars in the sky and, and God said, hey, you're going to have you're going to have descendants and through your descendant, through your seed, actually, all nations on earth are going to be blessed. And Abraham went, I believe that. God went, and you're a righteous man, Abraham. See, it's the same way that it actually still happens with us today. The only, uh, what was um, um, the, the prayers that were, that were prayed there? I, 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 really, I really like that about, you know, we're not here because we had a good week. We're not here because we helped somebody this week and we got a merit badge to come and show you. Yeah, we're only here because of what your son Jesus Christ did. Well, when Abraham believed in the one to come, he was declared righteous. When we believe in the one who came and is to come, same thing. That's what the, that's what the gospel story is. So Eve was looking for him. Abraham was Abraham saw his day and was glad. He rejoiced. Well, what, what about Moses? I mean, if God's going to do something big, he's definitely got to tell Moses because Moses, Moses is the is the big guy, right? In the Old Testament, how many of you know there is an Old Testament? Okay, good. I just wanted to be just checking. Um, over in Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. Moses says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Clearly, Moses anticipated one who was to come. Now, Moses, you know, I'm saying he's the big guy. You know, he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Went up on Mount Sinai, brought the, brought the Ten Commandments down, brought the word of the Lord. And, and a lot of people would say, well, that's it. I mean, he... That's it, right there. When you got Moses, you got it all. Moses didn't think so. Moses clearly thought there was some more to be brought. And that when it was going to be brought, it was going to be brought by the one. He goes on a couple of verses later to say, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. So Moses was looking for one to come. And clearly, by the time Jesus came along, nobody thought he had come yet because the Jews sent... um, uh, emissaries to John the Baptist to say are you the one are you the prophet when Jesus said who do men say that I am the disciples said some people are saying you're the prophet well he was but anyway Moses was looking for one to come and then and then David David the king obviously this guy I mean he's a songwriter right God's got to tell his songwriters stuff when he's getting ready to do things uh, David, did he see him coming? Well, yeah, he saw him coming. Uh, just three real quick. Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus himself declared this to be a, a messianic prophecy, a prophecy about himself. And it's, you know, we kind of look at it and just sort of, you know, just, just, just zoom by it. It was really a, a a puzzler. It was a head scratcher. 
in, in Jesus' day. In fact, Jesus used it one time to confound the Jews. He says, whose son is the Messiah? They said, well, he's the son of David. Okay, sounds good to me. Why does David call him his Lord? He says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. There's all kinds of strange things in here. Now for us, you know, it's not all that incredible to think of someone's son being their Lord, especially when we're a teenager and we are the son. Is anybody listening? Just just want to be sure you got, yeah, it's not incredible, but for, for them, uh, you know, which wasn't a worship youth culture, they, they, that was, that's pretty incredible. They just, nobody had ever thought of it before. Wait a minute. He's a son and he's his Lord. Ah, my head is going to explode. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what they would sort of be thinking there. But, you know, the Lord says to my Lord, uh, we got some echoes of Trinity going on here. Uh, even though the, the, the Lord is one. I mean, David, this is, a, this is a full of mystery verse. David is looking for one who's going to be sitting at the right hand of God until his enemies are, are made his, his footstool. Over in Psalm uh, chapter 2, he kind of expands on this. And I believe I put the reference in the, um, in, in the outline. I, it was really too long a passage to put up here. But he says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me. I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. David was looking for one who was going to rule the the entire expanse of the earth, all of the ends of the earth. And then uh, one other place. David says in, in Psalm 16, Speaking of the Messiah, therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And we know this is about Messiah because Peter used it as as part of his text on the day of Pentecost when he stood up and preached to the people. And he quoted this this well-known text to them and said, "Uh, guys, I got news for you. David wasn't talking about himself because his body is laying in a tomb right over here in Jerusalem. We can go to it and find it. But he was talking about the one to come. So David had in mind someone who was his Lord, who would sit at God's right hand until his enemies were made his footstool, who who would rule over all of the earth and who somehow would visit the grave and not not stay there. David had a fix on this guy coming. Isaiah. (laughs) If God's going to do anything about Messiah, he's going to tell Isaiah about it. That's for sure. In Isaiah chapter 7, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. Once again, in theological circles, and um, the argument kind of rages about whether or not that word should be translated virgin um, or just a young woman. It should be translated a virgin for two reasons. One is not, one I'll explain, the other one is crystal clear. One of the reasons it should be translated a virgin is because it begins to unlock the mystery 
to what God said back in the garden where he said, seed of woman. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking I'm Adam and I'm standing there, right? And all this, all this stuff's going on, you know, and, and God's now talking to us and, you know, kind of like this. And, and, and I've passed it off on her. And so God's talking to her now, and she passed it off on the snake, and he's talking to the snake. So he talks to the snake, and he talks to her, and he says, you know, uh, I'll put enmity between your seed and hers, and her seed will crush your head, and you'll strike his heel. And when I'm hearing her seed, I'm kind of going, I'm here. I'm standing right here, God. What, what do you mean her seed? What's that all about? God doesn't always stop to explain things to us. Sometimes it just, you just have to go, you just, you just have to get on the train and ride. You know, that's what you have to do sometimes with God. And so one of the reasons why I think it should be translated virgin is because it begins to unlock that mystery. The other reason is because Matthew said that's what it was supposed to be. And if the Bible says that that's what it is, the best, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And so Isaiah was looking for one who would be born of a virgin. He was also, over in in chapter 9 of Isaiah, we're pretty familiar with this passage. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we usually stop right there because that is the end of the sentence. Okay, You you can definitely put a period there. And, And also most of us learned a song that stopped right there, so we don't know what the next verse says. But the next verse even cranks it up a little more. Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forth and forever. Isaiah is looking for somebody who is going to reign not for 10 years, not for, tw- not for 40 years, not for 100 years, someone who's going to reign forever. And, he's, and, and, his, and his reign is going to extend to the, the far reaches of the earth, is going to entirely cover the earth. And not only that, someone is going to reign in, in justice and righteousness. Oh, my goodness. Back in October, Margaret and I uh, went up to Boston. It was, uh, we went up there for our anniversary. And I think my favorite thing that we did was go to the JFK Library. And that was library museum. They had a lot of JFK stuff there and a lot of early 60s stuff. And the thing that blew me away, see, now when I, some of you remember the Kennedy-Nixon things, right? Are you, the, some of you who are able to still stay awake remember the, <laughs> the Kennedy-Nixon things. Yes, indeed. Uh, and when, when, they, when, when that happened, I was 10 years old, so nobody cared who I was for, okay? But, uh, but I wasn't for Kennedy because he was a Catholic. And if he got elected, the Pope was going to tell him everything to do. And we were all going to hell. 
So I wasn't for him. But as we went through the, uh, I, I changed my mind a little later on, but as, as we went through the, the exhibits and everything and listened to the, to the speeches and, and the way that, that they interacted, that he interacted with people and the candor, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, I just, I came to the, about an hour into it, I was just going, oh wow, they don't make politicians like that anymore. And literally, that is literally true because politicians pretty much in this culture are made. Made, managed, and spun. And, you know, and I don't care who your guy is. You know, I I don't care if he's far left, far right, far middle, far out, whatever he may happen to be. He probably really stinks. You get right down to it. You know, he's probably a nice guy, but the... Isaiah says, when the one comes, he's going to rule with justice and righteousness. It's not going to be about who has the most money. It's not going to be about who has the most influence. It's not going to be about who can, who can spend the most, who can bring the most votes to the table. It's going to be about what's right and what's just. You know, all of us want fairness for us, for me. The truth of the matter is, in in the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, that was a pretty easy rule to keep. It was a pretty fair situation there. And and in fact, God was very merciful when they they messed up. He could have just zapped them that day and just be done with it all. That that could have happened, but but God is fair. But the truth of the matter is, uh, it was a very fair thing that he did. I mean, could we all agree that one rule to keep is pretty fair? I mean, especially when it is don't eat from a tree. But the truth of the matter is, nothing has been fair in this world since. Because it's a fallen world. But there's one coming. Eve was looking for him. Abraham was looking for him. Moses was looking for him. David was looking for him. Isaiah was looking for him. Oh, I'm looking for him now. And then also Isaiah tells us he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. It gets more and more mysterious. I mean, um, seed of woman, the Lord said to my Lord, son of, son of David, uh, the grave can't hold him. He's, peer, he's ruling over all the earth, but this is going to happen as well. It gets mysterious, but it gets wonderful. Isaiah saw the, the one who would come and not only rule and reign in justice and righteousness, but who would take away our sins and bring us peace and healing. Mary and Joseph saw it before it happened. Just right before it happened. I, I love this, uh, this depiction of the Annunciation. Uh, I mean, I, I love, you know, that the angel isn't cheesy looking. I mean, it's just, you know, light. And I, I just like the setting. And, you know, the angel came and, and appeared to Mary and, and told her, Do not be afraid. You found favor with God. You're going to give birth to a, to a son. And you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Imagine being a a teenage girl, a young girl from Nazareth, which is really, I mean, that's worse than being from Smyrna. Don't know about Laverne. Uh, <laughs> you love me, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but imagine, I mean, you know, and there's no, uh, yeah, you're, you're a daughter of David, but so are several tens of thousands of others around there. Not necessarily in Nazareth, but in Israel. You're not near any seat of power. You don't have any influence. Your family's just a, you know, probably a lower, well, they didn't have middle class in those days. So a poor, poor family. In fact, the only thing probably is not right about this picture is that's probably too nice a room. And and an angel appears to you and says, you're going to have a son who's going to sit on David's throne and reign forever. And will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. And the wonderful thing is you believe it. And just like Abraham. see, and, and really the reason why the angel came to you. Was because you would believe it. It's one of the reasons. You know I, I, I'm sure Mary was a good girl. Okay. It, but you know what. There were a lot of good girls. In Israel in those days. She was a woman of faith. That's what she was. Echoes of David and the Messiah, but even more distant echo. Seed of woman? Mary was a virgin. She says, how can this happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Incredible news. Pretty incredible when Joseph heard it too. But an angel appeared to him. said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so the long foretold and well-prepared night finally came and we know it was night because shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks in the fields and the angel appeared to them and said I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is Christ the Lord the proto-evangelium is finally proclaimed openly for all people a Savior has been born. He's here. The one. Not going to be necessarily what you're expecting. But when does God do what we expect anyway? What's so big? There's no big deal about that. In fact, most of the time what we expect is if God were to do it that way, what a boring world this would be. What a boring God to serve. I mean... Uh, so, so we just we come to God with with this need, and He does it in ways that we cannot anticipate. I think Rhonda Fraser's already gone, but uh, she uh, she sorted me out on this because I was saying eight days later it was actually forty days later. Uh, 
because Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, but they didn't come to the temple until the time for purification. Forty days later, they take him to the temple for Mary's purification. And Simeon comes. And I noticed something about this this week that I had never noticed before. And I'm sure it's been noticed by millions of people before me. Um, But I'd never noticed it before because I'd only read it a few hundred times. And, you know, sometimes you don't uh, see things that you've read a few hundred times. But it says that he was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple that day. Anna was one of the others in who prophesied over Jesus the day that he came to the temple. And she basically lived there. But apparently Simeon didn't. Apparently he was at home. And the Holy Spirit moved upon him and said, you need to go to the temple today. And it would have been real easy for Simeon to go, I mean, the guy had been waiting his whole life to see Messiah and the Holy Spirit. Boy, God just... uh, he is he's so cool the holy spirit just goes you need to go to the temple today yeah it's like oh really yeah he could have easily said but the game is on today i'm not you know i i don't really feel i don't really feel all that good today god go to the temple you think huh maybe some this might be catching We got company coming into town today, God. And you know what? I'm sure the Holy Ghost didn't argue with him. I'm sure the Holy Ghost just said, you need to go to the temple today. And he did. And when he got there, <laughs> I don't know how he knew. I mean, I don't, I don't think there was a glow around Jesus, but he knew. He took him in his arms and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. For long past, you might even say all past, the Christmas has engaged the hearts of mankind, captured our attention, captured our imagination. It it wasn't just something that, bam, all of a sudden happened 2,000 years ago. Oh, it's Christmas. No, all the way back, they started looking for him, started anticipating him. It began to build and grow. I have two blessings that I want to, to give to you today, and these blessings are warnings. Blessing and a warning at the same time. I think that's a good combination. One of the blessings is this. May you not be deceived by the cane to come. And in fact, may you not be deceived by the accoutrements of the cane to come in this season. As you look around and think that it's about this or it's about that or it's about what it's about in the mall. Or even that what it's about is in this house. It's in your heart. That's what it's about. The second blessing that comes with a warning is may you allow yourself to be moved by the Spirit 
Because otherwise, you'll miss it. You'll miss him. And it's not just, I'm not just talking about, you know, go to church. Although, to be very honest, I'm sure the Holy Spirit moves a whole lot more people in that direction than obey. But every single day of your life, every day, the Spirit wants to move you. Every day, He wants to take you in a new pathway. He, say it a little different this time. You know. uh, drive this way this time. Uh, stop and have this conversation this time. Yeah. Allow yourself to be moved by Him. And you will see Him. You will see Him every day. The One. Stand with me. This doesn't end in the past. There's the ghost of Christmas present we'll get to next week. But those who are going to pray for people and minister to people, come forward. This time of year, I love it. It's, it's always been one of my favorite times. And I'm just in, I'm in such an incredibly blessed situation. But I know it's also a very uh, painful and hard time for a lot of people. We're not in an incredibly blessed situation. And it could be painful and hard because of finances. It could be painful and hard because of relationships. Families torn apart. It could be painful and hard because of, of uh, physical illness. Any number of reasons. Uh, God wants to minister to you. He came into the world to destroy the works of the evil one that has ravaged areas of your life. He would like to minister to you. And so we're going to worship for a few moments. The altar is open. If you want to, uh, if you need prayer for anything, and there's no stigma, okay? Some people may be coming down here because their life's falling apart. Some people may be coming down here to go, I just got to tell somebody what God did for me. So nobody's going to look at you and go, oh, they must be in trouble. No. No, get over that. This is... This is home. If you need, if you need something from the God of the universe who's able to heal and restore, you come. If you don't need anything, don't come unless you want to share something good. But if you do need something, you come. God will minister to you. And I, I need some more people. And if you don't come, worship. Because that sets up an, an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit.
sense of wonder, a new sense of mystery, a new sense of glory, and may you not be able to contain it. Jesus Christ, our Lord.